Before we get started, I just want to apologize. We had some technical difficulties recording this session. We decided not to re-record because we were worried we would lose some of the spontaneity. So please enjoy and thanks for listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Cinephiliac Lounge. I'm Scott Kilroy. And I'm Pat O'Connell. We're two guys who like to talk about movies over a couple of drinks. This episode, we're talking about Dead Alive, otherwise known as Brain Dead in certain territories. Pat, could you give the listeners a breakdown of the plot? Absolutely. But first... On this picturesque block, in this manicured home, Something evil, something terrifying, something horrifying is haunting Lionel. His mother. I thought I told you to spray this house. The place is infested with vermin. Although she was a little strict. Look at this dust. It's an inch thick. He never wished her any harm. You look after me. Until... <laughs> your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, whatever mom's got... Who's your mother? ...has caught on with the neighbors. She's been bitten! You can pray. Oh, I kick ass for the Lord! You can plead... And beg for mercy. Help! But nothing you can do will stop. Because how do you kill something that's already dead? Trimark Picture presents a modern masterpiece of horror. Your mother ain't my dog! Dead alive. Party's over. And as always, warning, spoilers ahead. Dead Alive, released in the U.S. on February 12, 1993. It was released originally as Brain Dead in 1992. It is the third film directed by Peter Jackson. Story by Stephen Sinclair. Screenplay by Stephen Sinclair, Fran Walsh, and Peter Jackson. Starring Timothy Baum, Diana Penyalver, Elizabeth Moody, and Ian Watkin. In New Zealand's seemingly idyllic town of Wellington in the late 50s, Lionel Cosgrove, a young and naive bachelor who still lives with his overbearing and manipulative mother, Vera, has finally been found by his soulmate, the kind grocery store clerk, Paquita. When a Sumatran rat monkey bites Vera at the local zoo, she is turned into a zombie. Despite all of Lionel's attempts to keep her locked up in the basement, she manages to wreak havoc and affect many of the townsfolk. This all culminates in one of the glorious showdowns in cinematic history where Lionel must contend with the zombie hordes, finally confront his mother, unravel a family secret, and decide if he will fully commit to his love. Great. Before we get into the movie, Pat, what are you drinking tonight? Okay. Tonight I've chosen Elijah Craig Small Batch, a company Heaven Hill, 94 Proof. I looked up some of the details on this. Seventy-eight. The mash bill is 78% corn, 12% malted barley, and 10% rye. I've never had this before, so I'm going to go with looking at the color. I guess it kind of looks like a copper to me, like copper uh, or amber. I'll go ahead and do the nose. I'm getting a, a van- vanilla and maybe maybe a little nut- nutty caramel. Right, I'm gonna dive in here now and take a take a swell. Mm. Um, hmm, it's like oaky and and definitely tastes of vanilla. 
and uh, get a little bit of a, get a little bit of, a little bit of heat at the finish. I'm getting maybe kind of like a, a cinnamony taste, but I like it. I dig it. Cool. I gotta tell you, that's one of my favorite bourbons. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm enjoying this one. I, I picked a good one today. <laughs> uh, what are you drinking tonight, Scott? As always, I got a little bit of a story behind it. I helped uh, my friend Tommy with some computer work, and every time I do that, he buys me a bottle of something. And this time, he bought me a bottle of Bib and Tucker. And not much is known about them. They are a non-distiller producer, so they're buying the juice from someone else. It's six years old, it's 92 proof, and it's been double distilled. It's pretty good. So I've been drinking this all week, and uh, let me go into a little nose and uh, taste. Get not much of an alcohol burn. Get kind of an earthy, like heavy wood smell. Let me take a sip. Yeah, I get more wood. I get a little bit of licorice. And there's some kind of like spiciness that I can't really put my finger on. Not a ton going on. It's it's pretty it's pretty subdued. But being six years old, I'm surprised that it's it's so oaky because I've had older bourbons that are not as oaky as this, and this is very strong oak. And for the finish, get lots more licorice, more wood, and that's about it. But it's pretty good. I would recommend it. Cool. So, Pat, what were you drinking during the movie? I watched this movie twice. One of the times I was taking partook of the bullet rye again. I just drank it straight with some ice. And then one of the other nights I was just drinking my uh, Cobra Kai banquet beer, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I was finishing off another guest beverage, uh, which my friend Hattie gave me, Yamato, which I... I reviewed in another podcast, and I finished that bottle off while watching Dead Alive. So that's gone. What I should have done for you know for a hot second, I was like, oh, I should maybe do some sort of theme or whatever because of the movie. What I should have been drinking was Bloody Marys, but I didn't. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> okay. Where where was the first time you saw this film? I did not see it in the theater. I saw it because I read a review of it, and the review compared it favorably to Evil Dead movies. And hmm. I'll tell you a secret, and I, I'll admit now, I wanted Dead Alive because I'm not a huge horror movie fan, but I am a huge fan of Evil Dead sort of slapstick comedy horror. So that's why I, I pushed hard for this movie. Um, and it didn't disappoint. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I was reading an article that they referred to it as gore comedy, which I agree with. And and in that article they brought up, it's when I watched this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, it, this is like Evil Dead. Or I don't know if you see the, have seen the reanimator films, but they're much, very much in that category as well, where where it could be, you know, horrendous horror and gore, and then a Three Stooges bit. Yeah. That kind of humor. So, yeah, definitely. Oh, cool. The first time I saw it was, it's not exactly a theater. I didn't see when it first came out. I saw this I saw this at a place that sadly no longer exists, a place called Rafifi, or Cinema Classics. It was a, it was a bar and, like, an underground venue place. They'd have... Some nights they'd have like 60s dance parties or they'd show films in the back or they'd have live shows. It was on East 11th Street, Manhattan. I saw a friend who would go to these 60s dance nights or whatever and they saw like that they were going to show this film and they told me they saw it on the flyer or whatever. And I think I want to say this is maybe 2004-ish, maybe 2005. And I went and it was fucking great. It was an absolute blast to like sit in a crowd with pint in my hand and watch this fucking crazy gore comedy and hear you know hear the reactions of everyone else who's who's drinking and having a good time i mean this film like most grindhouse films really are a treat when you see it with an audience it really does the laughs the shout outs the screams the talking at the screen whatever it really it makes it it enhances the experience it makes it an experience unto itself and i'm, I'm glad i got to see this particular film in that environment first Oh, that sounds great. 
where do you want to start? You want to talk about just generally the things we liked or didn't like the film, funny observations, that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. You know, it's really funny because on a lot of these movies, with the exception of Bruce Campbell, who I think we could all admit is kind of a god amongst men. Absolutely. Here, here, and I'm going to drink to that. Cheers. <laughs> the acting in these movies is usually not stellar. And I actually like the cast in this movie. I thought they all did a really good job. I agree. I, I, in one of my notes, they're all very good. But in one of my notes, Elizabeth Moody, who plays Mum, Vera Cosgrove, she, in my notes, one of the things I had is she's fantastic. I, I love of her delivery of her lines. Like when you first see her and she's yelling at Lionel about a beetle or, or some fucking thing. And it's like, I you told you, you know, you're supposed to fumigate or whatever. And he's like, sorry, mom. And she's like, she, when she says, this place is infested with them. And I immediately had to rewind <laughs> twice. It was fucking crazy. It's infested with them. And I fucking loved it. So good. So fucking funny in delivery. And just like the way she speaks, you see, elevates the ridiculous lines like, Lionel, you'll be pleased to know that your mother has been voted the treasurer elect of the WLWL. Like, it's just really fucking great. She's really stellar. Yeah. And I, what I love with Lionel was it, the minute things start to go south, he, he shows signs of cracking a lot earlier than he probably should in the movie. I thought. You know, when his mother was just sick, when she wasn't a full zombie at this point, he looked like he wasn't handling it well. Like, he looked like he was going to snap. And I just thought that was a really interesting choice to go with. Yeah, no, he's quite good. I mean, he, you know, I, I was intrigued by this film for, you know, watching it for his podcast. It totally holds up for me. You know, he continued to act for up to, like, I don't know. 2014 or whatever, but I, I, I was like, oh, he, he hasn't acted for like since 2013. I, I don't know the exact dates, whatever. But then I realized, I'm like, he transitioned to becoming, he's a writer. He's been writing for uh, shows in the oh, UK. Oh, really? Overseas. So Elizabeth Moody, she was great. However, she is, she's, uh, the uh, the actress from Dead Alive is no longer, I'm afraid, alive. She has, she has passed on, but she, she, she will uh, forever be revered in my, in my eyes uh, in this cult classic so that's pretty great you know one of the things i did want to mention about the movie i thought it had a lot of good life lessons a lot of good life lessons <laughs> yeah like don't go to something called skull island if if <laughs> if you're gonna go looking for new marsupials or apes or orangutans or uh chimps or whatever the Fourteen. hell that thing was Long. yeah just stay away from skull island it's probably a sign yeah well, it's just the fact that he, I mean, I read about him. He is a, not only did he do the that remake in, I forget what year, of King Kong, but he's purportedly a huge King Kong fan. So there's an obvious King Kong nerd reference that they go to Skull Island to get this other creature from this island that causes havoc, right. but in a different way. Yeah, that's amazing. So going with that, so so we start off with Skull Island and it's this hilarious, the zoo, the zoo official, he was fucking great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that beginning is amazing. So that dude, and he's like, he's seen that the natives are chasing after him, and there's lots, lots of quotables in this moment. But he's like, he's like, what are those buggers playing at? And then he's, and when they're like, go to go to attack him and whatever, he's like, he just stands his ground. He's like, I'm a New Zealand zoo official, and this monkey is going to Newtown. I'm like, I cannot do a New Zealand accent. I can't do it. Also, everyone, forgive me. Imagine that it sounds somewhat Australian, bad Australian an accent or somewhat bad New Zealand accent, but just saying those lines there was fucking hilarious. And I also love, and you have this Skull Island, the King Kong reference, and then once he uses the machine gun to like scare them off, and he used machete to cut off with the bars that they had to carry the, the cage with the rat, rat monkey, and they just start running, and the when the natives are chasing after him, and, and the the two two other guys who, you know, are with them or like playing whatever, totally, I think it's immediately the nerd in me is like, I'm sorry. I think it was cricket. Oh, I okay. think cricket. Oh, yeah. Basically, what I want to say is that it's a it's a Raiders of the Lost Ark homage. They're running from natives with monkey, and they're like, "Get the car started!" And this whole thing is very much. And then they're throwing spears. It's very much like the the opening sequence with Jones swing out on vine and get away from him to get to the the plane, but with the truck instead. But there's some weird things in that. It's great and it's funny. But so watching it the second time in that sequence, you you have you have his guide saying like. 
but he's like, I don't know, man. I got the vibes. This, this thing is evil, man. Like he doesn't know what it is, right? Right. So it's like he's got a bad feeling about it or whatever. But when they're in the car and they're driving, and they the the two drivers and his guide that was with them realize that he's been that he's been bitten. Yep. Then they're like. Zingaya! And they know precisely that it's bad, and that's when they cut off his arm and do all this stuff. So in the second time I watch him, I'm like, so it starts off like he doesn't know exactly what this thing is, and he just has a feeling it's evil. And then as soon as that he's bit, uh, they know precisely what it is, and that they need to cut it out, cut out the infection. So it's like, why don't you give Homeboy the heads up first? <laughs> like, don't get this rat thing, or you're gonna, we're gonna have to cut off whatever was bitten. But that's that's minor quibble on my part. I just thought, it, and then that realization made me chuckle. I was like, okay, whatever. But I I just thought I just wanted to mention that that it was like, hey, you could have you could have given given a give a heads up. Yeah, stay away from the rat monkey. <laughs> I did like the fact that he tried to show his dominance over the natives by giving them a piece of paper with his authority on it. Right. <laughs> it was a permit, special permit. Oh, ridiculous. It's very, very absurd. Very funny. I also love the plane that they got on because it goes immediately to what can only be described as a model plane that a kid built. I have notes. I have notes about the plane where I was like, the model plane is fucking hilarious. It's great. It's like (laughs) a plane floating with like cotton clouds underneath it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, the special effects are pretty amazing overall. For, but the, the entire movie is very... It's like a gory Looney Tunes cartoon. It's insane. You actually have a, a kind of a cartoon reference at some point when, at the very end of the film, where Lionel is trying to run away from the zombie hordes that are in his house, and he's running in place because of so, all the blood. It's like that total Looney Tunes cartoon moment. Yeah, totally. But that's it. Yeah, no, it's about feeling like a... Cart, very cartoonish in some respects. But getting back to the beginning, and then so you have that you have that crazy beginning, and you see that it's going to Wellington, and you see Paquita in the shop and delivery, and she's oh Roger, she wants Roger to see her new dress or whatever, and then her grandmother, the grand, the grandmother and her father and her, also I realize on the second time kind of cracked me up because the woman, the actress who plays Paquita is obviously from she's from spain she is actually spanish right right but the grandmother <laughs> the grandmother is not <laughs> <laughs> and during the time like that boy paquita like <laughs> so that was that that was kind of cracking me up. i was like so she's actually spanish but the grandmother is just like some br- old british woman who could have been taken from a universal monsters movie as like the gypsy you know <laughs> right well, they're gypsies. I mean, who um, knows how they get around? You know, I, 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 I understand. I know these are just things that uh, you know, watching it twice in a row that that I was that were amusing me or making me go, huh. But some of the things, uh, there's a, there's a lot of wrong stuff in here that made me crack up. So going back to Lionel, he's Paquita, and then Paquita learns from her grandmother that she's a tarot deck that she's supposed to meet the love of her life. He'll know by the sign of the moon and the stars and. It turns out in a good sequence of Lionel who comes in. He's very much like a skittish schoolboy, even though he's a grown ass man. But, um, <laughs> and that whole business, like, I just want some licorice. And then he sees it and whatever. It all leads up to the other thing I want to go about the, the rat monkey when, when leading up to the, the date at the zoo. But the, <laughs> when I go to the cage and the sign says the simian raticus, that sign cracked me up. <laughs> and the other thing that really cracked me the fuck up is so the monkeys throw an apple at them when they're kissing and she throws it back. And then you see a real live actual monkey running to get it. <laughs> and then you have this quick, this, this shot, that's this quick fake fatal monkey paw punch from the rat monkey that kills the other fucking monkey dead instantly had me in stitches because it's just the punch. It's insane. It's like cartoon and the sound of the punch. The sound is very important in this movie. It, it helps with the limitations of the budget and I'll go on that a little bit later but the sound of the punch just fucking just killed me it's like whoosh. it's like whoa and then the dead the monkey's just instantly fucking dead and then you have that crazy stop motion 
fucking rat. It says it's a rat monkey, but it just looks like a giant rat to me. I don't know. Yeah, it, it kind of looks more rat than monkey. But I did like the background that it was rats brought over by conquistadors or whatever. And, you know, they mated with the monkeys and made this horrible rat monkey creature. I'm willing to suspend a disbelief on that. You know, that sounds good to me. The zookeeper who was like, legend has it that these, these giant rats got off the boat and raped the monkey. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, hold on. Hold on a sec. You're telling me that a rat raped a monkey. That's what you're telling me. All of them. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. I just couldn't stop laughing. I was like, this is fucking bonkers. In a good way. <laughs> and I, yeah. I love I the mother's interaction, Elizabeth Moody, with the rat monkey. The fact that the rat monkey bites her, but she ends up killing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not only does she kill it, she kills the fuck out of it. It is, I mean, she is... <laughs> The close-up of her just stomping on this fucking rat monkey's head till its eyes bulge out of its head. And, by the way, her sunglasses in that scene are amazing. I don't know. It's just everything with uh, with her, the fact that she's stalking them, and her reaction to when Paquita's like, oh, I'll try to help you. She looks at her as if she is covered in feces. Her reaction, yeah. that pure hatred in her face she's just like the disgust that this other female would even touch her like trying to get her her boy just, just great yeah and just the fact that she's from gypsy you know gypsy background you, you just could tell that woman would never like her no matter what you know she could yeah, give her a gypsy kidney or spanish oh yeah no if she wasn't one of the women from the wlwl with lionel she, nothing uh, nothing short of that would would be uh, allowed by her if she allowed well it's the major point of this one she, she if she would allow lionel to go with any other woman but i would argue that this entire movie is all about this relationship with lionel and his mother the, the yeah. fucked up insane relationship so i personally liked the point where uh she wasn't fully zombified but she wasn't doing well and I thought there was just a lot of comedic gold in Lionel trying to keep her together when her ear falls off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even even before that, she's like, oh, Mrs. Matheson from the WWL. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, let's not do it now, Mom. She's like, she's like, has to. And then trying to put the makeup and her face fucking rips open. And <laughs> he's... First reaction is not, oh my God, uh, you, you, mom, you're insane. I'm going to take over this situation. You are really not fucking well. This is not the time to entertain fucking guests, even if they're from the Wellington Ladies Welfare League. Like, who fucking cares? But he's so dominated. He's so infantilized by his mother. It's just like, I, I must do what mommy says. His reaction is to take fucking like schoolboy glue and like <laughs> dab it on her wounded face and glue it back. Total fucking insanity. Uh, but yeah, that whole sequence is is just it's amazing. You know, even even by myself, this, this movie is hilarious. It is fucking gross from A through Z. <laughs> it's just, but on purpose, and it's 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 crafted to be that way. In fact, it is as effective in how gross it is because of how well Peter Jackson is designing, setting up, and and shooting the scenes. He really knows how to get the most gross aspects and angles from the people and the situations and what he focuses on. A master of gross out comedy gore. <laughs> yeah, he could have had a real career with this. It's a shame we went into mainstream movies. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're going to get him back. I'm going to get him <laughs> back for Brain Dead 2 now. Yeah, no, this, this, there's a whole lot of stuff. I mean, he obviously, you know, this film, what he's in terms of film techniques and film geekdom, he's got King Kong in there, he's got Raised Lost Ark. There's a sequence when, right after, when Paquita realizes, oh, and, and, and that sequence is shot very well when his grandmother explains to, Paquita's grandmother explains to her that the symbol of the star and the pencils will show her who her true love is. And then he causes a mess with the pencils and the licorice and makes that symbol. The way he shoots it is done well because 
it happens. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then you see Paquita's face first. And then you see Lionel's hands covering the scene to like try to fix it. And she stops him and pulls it away. So it's the slow reveal of the symbol. Done really well. Really cool. He freaks out because then she switches from being annoyed, which he's used to. Paquita, when she first... Actually, I would argue Paquita is kind of like his, his mother in the sense that his mother is completely domineering, controlling woman that has kept her son... The devouring mother archetype that keep, that is so controlling, is so narcissistic that she does whatever she can to manipulate and keep her son at childlike level so that he will do her bidding no matter what. So he's kind of infantilized by his mother. He has his fear of women. So as soon as Paquita first sees him, she comes out and she's aggressive and pissed off. And like he's like... Being like like a seven year old in a store, like oh, I'm making these green apples fall. Oh no, I'm gonna get in trouble. And he's doing all this stuff. And then to get his attention, she violently slaps the counter. So their their first interaction is her slapping to make him go, oh yeah, oh yeah. So mum 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 liked to put in the order, and she said, please don't please put the biscuits on top from the get go. Even though she's the love interest, and she is nicer than his mother, the dynamic is already essentially the same. But when she sees that sign, she's like, oh, this is supposed to be my true love. And she changes and she acts amorous and aggressive in a different way, sexually aggressive. He completely freaks out. He starts sweating. He backs up and he's like, all right, well, you know, thanks a lot. And he backs out of the way into the street, not looking. And he bumps into the, the trolley car. He jumps on board in a way at this. His escape is like a sequence from a fucking silent film. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's almost like Peter Jackson was like, I want to do something like like a little homage to like a Keaton or a Chaplin or a Lloyd bit because it's very silent film like. Yeah, it is. It's very much so. Yeah, that's real. That's really interesting. You know, in a way, you could look at this if his mother didn't turn into a zombie. His life is significantly better at the end of the movie than it is at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean. You could argue the film, the the film is a horror movie, it's a hardcore comedy, but what it really is, is the story of this man finally getting out from the power of his overbearing, emasculating, castrating mother and literally becoming a man. And then he could have an actual sexual relationship with another woman. Yeah. This movie is all, it's all Freud. This whole movie is a bloody Freudian edible nightmare <laughs> talking about bits that we like and, and this with peter jackson how how good it is, he is at what he's doing here and using cinematic techniques and using cinematic techniques or symbolism and also elevating material he uses sound to enhance sequences in the films that maybe they couldn't fill film the entire part of but go, going back to the beginning and the mother and and you know, the essence of setting up this whole dynamic of what this movie is about, this power struggle between Paquita and his mother for Lionel and some rat monkeys and zombie gore in between all of that. So she shows up. And, and there's also a theme in this movie where this is this movie takes place in 19, supposed to take place in 1957. So right. In that period, social mores and sexual roles were rigidly defined of what men do and what women do. But this film completely subverts that because you have Paquita who once she's convinced that this is supposed to be the man she's supposed to with she becomes the man relationship she becomes the sexual aggressor on so many levels he goes home and after escaping her placing his grocery order and escaping her through the trolley as I said and his mother says this line that I love about about the vermin and then she's like well you gotta go cut the lawn we have to do this and he goes out and you have one, you have the very cool foreshadowing shot of showing the lawnmower from the really low angle of him cutting, going all the way so that you ends with showing you the blades. He, he shows you the gun in the first yep. act that is going to be used in the last act. And then Paquita shows up and he's like, oh, Paquita. And she's with her dog. And he's like, oh, your brother usually does the groceries. So immediately Paquita is doing what the man is supposed to do. Her brother was supposed to bring the groceries. Well, no, today I am. He's, and he's like, oh, okay. And she's talking to him. And my favorite part of that, so she's talking to him. There's, that scene is really great. 
It sets up a lot of stuff. It's done very well. It's very amusing. Uh, what I love about it is that when she's there, she's talking to him with a dog. And he's like, oh, you live here all your life? And like, oh, I, you know, zoo? I want to go to the zoo. She forces him to, you know, she pretty much, she asks him on a date. But as she's, as he's talking, he's doing stuff. And he's like concerned his mother. Goes, there is a shot where Paquita straight up goes around and she checks out this motherfucker's ass. She looks at his ass. She straight up <laughs> like, I'm going to check out the backside. I was like, oh, oh shit, Paquita, she don't play. She's like, I got to make sure he's the love of my life. He's got to have a little something, something behind. <laughs> <laughs> so she sexually objectifies him. She looks at, she looks for his ass. I don't see that ass. She makes sure that she checks it out. She's like, I'm going to check out the goods before I buy it. <laughs> and then the follow-up is that you have this wonderful sequence of the mother She's looking out the window. It's like, oh, shit. She ain't going to have that. And then you have this sequence of, so she sees that. And then you have this symbolic sequence of her knocking the vase and the fresh flowers, the symbol of youth and beauty and, you know, actual you know, budding love. And this fucking woman just stomps on it. And, and the sound is like, like, it, like she's breaking bones. The sound is used very, very well on this film. And so she crushes the flowers when she sees the, the budding romance. So there's a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff going on here. Those are all good points. One thing I noticed that I thought was kind of interesting about when you mentioned the sound, the very beginning of the movie, it all sounds like a 50s soap opera. There's organs leading up to something, and that drops away yeah. as the zombies come on to the scene. And it's almost like, eh, we're going to kind of make this more modern now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I, I agree. Yeah, it's the music and, and the, the feel that setting up that, as you said, soap opera idealized setting to then have it completely gorily destroyed. <laughs> and I guess all of this kind of leads to what is the weirdest part of the movie is the actual funeral. <laughs> If you want to talk about a guy that's got issues with his mother, basically embracing her and crashing onto this, the middle of the church, it's a little oh, yeah. weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, absolutely. But that's, I agree with you. That scene illustrates that something that I wanted to bring up. Everyone in this movie, everyone in this movie is completely unfazed by what's happening. Or yeah. not upset enough. So people see him crash through. He destroys the he destroys the church, crashes through with the with the corpse of his dead mother when he's supposed to be there at the funeral, and she's supposed to be in the coffin for. And everyone's just like, Lionel, <laughs> such an embarrassment. It's like no, no, this is fucked up. Like if this happened in real life, they'd be like, police and all this shit to go. Yeah. no, not here. Paquita is not. Paquita is not phased. No one is phased by it. And, and part of it is because this is, at, a, at its heart, it is a, even though it's dealing with crazy psychoanalytical, psychosexual stuff about this poor man-child, it is supposed to be a comedy, right? So a lot of right. times it, it's absurd. In comedies, people will have these absurd reactions. But the, but the entire movie, Lionel doesn't react. If we were in the same situation that Lionel is in throughout the movie, we'd be a little freaked out. Or yeah, you know, I would I wouldn't just be like, oh, there are dead people living in my basement. Oh well, I guess I have to deal with this now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not just like you can understand. You know, in my notes, it was like Lionel doesn't start to man up about anything until his mother is sick and dead. Like, yeah, he can't be a man until his mother's dead because his mother is the power of his mother that she's still. He still has to contend with her in her death, and she's still he's still fighting Paquita for him. Yeah, you know, there's scenes where he, he's very good at it, and there's scenes where he's like, oh, but he he doesn't react like you would in real life. If you were with your mother and she was getting ready for something, and she ripped her face open by trying to put makeup on, you'd be like, yo, we gotta go to the hospital right now, like, right? <laughs> but it's comedy. Um, but yeah, but everyone else, has, Paquita. Like I said, he doesn't get in trouble for ruining the church stuff and crash through with the corpse. Paquita's really unfazed by many, many things. And at some point when he comes in with her dog and the mom's sick and turning into his turn into zombie or whatever, 
and then you hear the dog yelp, and then they both run up, and he pulls that from that ridiculous puppet. <laughs> At first, I was like, "Is that supposed to be that she swallowed the entire dog?" Because the dog that went up there and the dog that came out of her mouth are like really different in size. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paquita's not too uh, freaked out by that. No, she was like, "Your mother ate my dog." And then, and she's seeing this carnage. She's like, well, not all of it. And they show just the fucking, the carnage, the, the viscera all over the bed. And then two seconds later, she's like, oh, I'll get the, you know, everything's fine. She, right. She, you know, anyone else would be like, yo, what the fuck is going on here? Your mother just ate my dog. But it's just kind of, everything's glossed, glossed over. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I wanted to mention another life lessons, because this comes up about this point in the movie. This is something else the movie taught me. Don't buy drugs from Nazis. <laughs> they are tranquilizers. <laughs> it's such a weird moment in the movie, and I'm not really sure why it's there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess because drooling Nazis posing as vets in New Zealand are funny. Well, I guess they had to do something. <laughs> they had to do something. It's like, I've had it with your immigration people. Amazing. Just like, what? Yeah, fucking hilarious. One of the things I was going to bring up, and this ties in with exactly what you were saying, was when Lionel goes to the cemetery and runs into the rockers from Quadrophenia, and, <laughs> and they get turned into zombies. His mother comes out of the grave. He's there with a shovel and father Magruder shows up and his just reaction is, Oh, I've got to start doing Kung Fu. <laughs> Listen, this movie has watching it recently. This movie has a lot of quotables. Okay. But number one has to be father fucking Magruder. His one yeah. line. Yeah. I have it written right here. You have it written down his whole, whole spiel right before he goes into his kung fu? I just have, I kick ass for the Lord. I didn't catch the rest of it. Okay. Yeah, that, that I kick ass for the Lord is like, anyone who's seen this film, that, that sticks in your mind. That's the first yeah. thing. If you, I mentioned to somebody, oh, we're going to do that live, and their immediate reaction was, I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> so, so fucking good. Yeah. I would say my only complaint about the movie, because I think it's pretty perfect as is, my only complaint is I wish Father Magruder didn't get turned into a zombie as soon as he did. I like, I would have liked to have seen that character get more screen time. No, absolutely. I, I have in my notes stuff at the, at the as we were talking about, at the funeral with the theme of the service is the sanctity of motherhood, which is really winking at the audience. They're deprived of a father in early age who's, who's blessed in an abundance of mother love, which is exactly what is crushing his ability to make love. But poor Lionel was always so attached to his mother. I don't know, but I wrote in the notes after it's like, Greece's attack, piss on mama's grave. The priest is the shit. <laughs> the devil is amongst us. Stay back, boy. This calls for divine intervention. I kick ass for the Lord. So, like, kung fu, and then the fucking unbelievable kung fu on motherfucking zombies. When, I gotta tell you, there was a lot of stuff. I know the gross out stuff, the, as you, you said, the dinner sequence with the, the woman from, and her husband from the WLWL, where the mom, her ear drops off and she eats, and then spits out her own earring but when she the pus from her arm goes into the the custard and you're just yep. like, oh like that that the queasiness of the crowd and that's great but the reaction of the crowd for the fucking fall other magruder sequence was fucking fantastic like that line brought down the house and then to see him fucking dude he's crazy Fake Bruce Lee moves, chopping zombies off at the legs with leg sweeps and all this other stuff. Fucking great. And I agree. He goes out way too soon. But, man, does he make an impression with the, the, the yeah. screen time he does have. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's just fucking great. He's fucking 
great. By the way, I have in my notes, holy shit, I forgot about the baby. <laughs> I <laughs> For... completely forgot about the baby, too. And you have to give it to this film. This film, there is no other zombie movie that touches upon the things that this zombie movie does. Yeah. No one. Yeah, the sequences with the zombie baby. Okay, so the the... <laughs> Having two zombies get sexed up and F in his house until he's <laughs> fucking going at it with his asshole Uncle Lee's or less. He's like, you watching your father's stag films, are you? Is that the one with the chambermaid <laughs> and the donkey? Again, <laughs> awful, awful impersonation. Please, please, disclaimer on that. Rex Reed, please do not write in like you normally do. It's a terrible New Zealand accent i can't do it but you know what i'm saying <laughs> great shit absolutely ridiculous unbelievable yeah that baby is crazy town and the different ways they go about trying to animate the baby so at some points it's an obvious puppet it looks like this remember that show uh, spitting image it was a british show yep where it was these gross super deformed puppets on celebrities and politicians it kind of looks like that in certain sequences Right, or it looks like a fucking garbage pail kid, but then there are sequences where it's obviously it seems like it's a midget, like in you think so? with a yeah. mask, or, or like a large child. For the sequence where he takes the child, uh, when he takes it, when he takes the the zombie baby to the park, it's funny and it's crazy, but it's also like there was no point to this other than to try and get cheap pops and laughs because. Why Why would you take the zombie baby to the park like it was a normal baby? Right. No, but it does It does lead in. It's funny. It's all hell. And it also leads into your, your comment about how everyone's so not affected by anything that happens to them. Because a couple of the mothers look like aghast. But they're kind of like, they don't call the cops. They don't do no, anything. Again, exactly. Yeah. It's like, he's doing things to... This, what in their eyes is an infant, an infant. He's he is punching a baby in the face, stepping on it, smacking it against, and all they do is like, oh dear. They just kind of like roll yeah. their eyes, like, oh, well, that's <laughs> an perfect behavior. They're like, that's it. <laughs> no one yells at him. No one tries to stop him. No one goes to get a constable. Nothing. Nope. <laughs> they just. Watch the shit happen. By the way, as a little side note, one of the women in that scene is Fran Walsh, who is one of the co-writers of this screenplay. She oh, wow. also is Peter Jackson's wife. They've been married since 1987. Two kids. And she worked on the screenplay's for Meet the Feebles. Apparently he had what some people call a gore comedy trilogy where he did Bad Taste, which I to this day have not seen, then Meet the Feebles, which I have seen. Have you seen that? I have not seen that. I want to. Okay. I want to see it's, both. It's. I want to see Bad Taste I haven't seen it. I'd like to revisit Meet the Feebles. I thought, and full disclosure, in the younger days, when as we discussed of drinking not so much to enjoy the ambrosia of the drink or whatever. You're just drinking to get fucked up. And the night that we were like, let's watch Meet the Feebles, I was pretty fucked up. But <laughs> I do remember it being totally fucking crazy. It's imagine the Muppets, but super gross and their gore, sex. It's crazy. I, I'd like to revisit it. It's pretty insane. But I need to watch it. Bad taste. But in any case, they already have been married. You know, but this movie came out in 92. So 87, they've been married five years when she's in this film and co-writes it. And she wrote as Meet the People's Dead Alive, Heavenly Creatures, The Frighteners, which I haven't seen. Heavenly Creatures, The Frighteners. And then she also wrote this one of screenwriters for Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit trilogy. Wow. Yeah. And the weird thing is this movie, which was, was, takes place and was filmed in Wellington, New Zealand, right? Right. That's where his wife was born. Huh. Interesting. So on that note, I got a funny little trivial story about the making of Lord of the Rings that I thought was appropriate for this movie. Okay. So when New Line Cinema 
gave Peter Jackson the rights. You know, they said, "We're okay, we're going to sign you on as the director, producer, writer for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. They sent down a studio exec from Hollywood to keep an eye on him. And this guy walked into their production office and he saw a poster for Meet the Feebles and Dead Alive. And he was quoted as saying, my boss has lost his fucking mind. We bet the studio on this guy. <laughs> oh, that's and, and luckily he was wrong, but <laughs> wow. I, I could see how you would be like, what? How do you make the jump from this? Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he did a fantastic job with Lord of the Rings, but I, I could, that is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Especially if you can't be a straight laced, per, you you got to have a, a sense of humor. You got to have a particular sense of humor to know these films and enjoy these films. Yeah, absolutely. Meaning, Meet the Feebles or even Dead Alive. If you like Evil Dead or whatever, yeah, you're gonna like this movie. So I found that really funny about the posters and everything, but in a way, I think it's kind of interesting because Peter Jackson isn't embarrassed by these movies because I think if you look at his body of work, it does make sense. There are really good themes in Dead Alive, in Meet the Feebles, and I haven't seen Bad Taste, but there's some interesting stuff from what I've seen of the bits of it that I've seen. And he moved right from Dead Alive to doing Heavenly Creatures, which is a much more cerebral film, very heavy special effects. And if you look at it as a transition from one to the other, you could totally see why he ended up getting the Lord of the Rings movies because it's really not that far off from what he was trying to do, at least thematically. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's obvious from seeing the films where he has a smaller budget, like Dead Alive, right? But his mastery of the craft and, 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 cinem- his, and his understanding of cinematic history and cinematic techniques... And his inventiveness. It said before earlier in in this that sound is is very important in this film. It's used to fill in gaps where visuals need help, and they need help not because they need help probably because because of of time constraints and pro, and because of probably money, right? This is a you know even right. though it's a three million dollar picture, they're doing a lot of stuff with a little bit of money. So they use sound is really crucial to bridging this bridging a gap. We often hear a gory act perpetrated and then see the aftermath. Like an instance with when his mother eats the dog or whatever, she, they fall down the stairs and Miss, you know, Nurse McTavish is called and, and she's like, and apparently his mother dies. She's like, I'm sorry, Lionel, your mother's dead. And he's, he's very upset. And the, the camera dollies into him, focuses in on his pain. And she's talking, he's like, oh, and she's trying to talk to him. She's in front of him. And then you see the mother pop up. And then it cuts away just to his his face. And you hear. You hear the sound. The, the sound of what you imagine is fingers being thrust into a face. And the, the, the wet and moist noises and the horror. And then it cuts to the fully realized special effects makeup of her fingers in Nurse McTavish's face and a couple of seconds of jiggling around. And then this, I had to watch it a couple of times and rewind back back and forth, but then there's this wonderful trick of there's a white cloth or whatever that goes across the, you know, obscures the, the shot for a second. And then there's a cut there and it's done very well. It, it's not very obvious. It's done very, very well where it cuts from that and then, her, it's obviously not the actress with the prosthetic on her face pretending like she has fingers in her face. It's the dummy of the zombie mom has ripped Nurse McTavish's neck back and it's spewing blood. The technique and the thought and the inventive is done very well. And they do it all, very often in this film. So it's no surprise that given, given a lot of money, he could accomplish so much more as he did. I mean, for fuck's sake. One of the Lord of the Rings, one of the Academy Award. I never thought as a nerd that I would see a quote-unquote nerd movie, a genre film, win a fucking Academy Award. And he did it. He did it. Fucking great. Yeah, you could definitely see the talent there. And it's really interesting. He had a low budget to work with, and he made every dime count. Absolutely. 
The other thing I wanted to bring up was that at the end, he basically goes through a rebirth. Oh, yeah. It's it's kind of disgusting, but... Yes, absolutely. He It's actual rebirth. He's put into his... Yes, I want to... That is very, very important. It's important to the to the entire messaging of the film. And, and part of my notes are that there's a constant theme of death and birth in this film. And the transgression or reversal of roles. You did have the two zombies who have sex and then a zombie gives birth. So death gets pregnant and gives birth. So that is is a transgression. That is a reversal. And then Lionel at the end of the film in the confrontation with his mother, he literally is put back into his dead mother's womb. And then with the amulet is born again. And when he's born again, he's born as a full-formed man without the psychosexual problems that he had throughout the film, which prevented him from being the aggressor, being sexual, and committing or being able to have a fully realized adult sexual relationship with another woman because of his mother, he has because he has been reborn again as a man. Because as soon as he does, as soon as he does cut through and is reborn and all that disgusting viscera and and then he pulls out he totally takes control. He puts his belt around that cord. He saves Paquita right before she's about to fall to her death. He grabs her. And for the first time, he initiates a sexual impulse. And he kisses her. And then he saves her. And also, to, to push that forward, to fully show that he actually has become his own man, finally, when, when Paquita gets up, and he's going to throw the amulet away. And she's like, no, he doesn't. For the first time in the picture, he doesn't listen to someone else, especially the, the women in his life. And he's like, no, 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 this is my decision. And he, he, and he does it gently. He's like, no, no, no. And he throws it away. He's like, no, no, I, I'm calm. I'm calm. I got this. I'm confident. I am my own man, finally. And he walks away with her. Yeah. And... The fact that this movie, and I touched upon the Freudian elements of this movie, this is on one level, this is just a movie about zombies and, and this poor Lionel or whatever, but there's a lot of other, other stuff underneath. And the story really being with his struggle to become his own man. And separate of that, also, there's a few other things just really quickly in this film. There's a lot of other themes besides Lionel and you know the Freudian symbolism and in, in him again having to get rid of his mother in order to be able to have a relationship with another woman. There's as I said before, there's reversals of social and sexual roles. That's with Paquita, where she is at the beginning of the film and throughout the film until the very end, she is the aggressor. So much so, she's the one who asks him on a date. She's the one who checks out his ass. She's the one who climbs up to his window after a date, and brings him a rose. Oh, right. Oh, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, so, I mean, the the reversal of... And this is 1957. This is a huge... In context of the film and the period and whatever, huge deal. She's the dude in this relationship until the end of the film. So, yeah. And, oh, the phrase, going with the reversals of social and sexual roles and symbols, mores, and sayings. The saying of sins of the father. Well, this movie's about the sins of the mother. So we haven't discussed it. The whole thing is that Lionel has this thought that, you know, when they're at the zoo, he sees the water. He has his flashbacks. He tells he tells Paquita, oh, this crazy fucking story that uh, we were at the beach and we were at a, I fell off a pier and my father dived in to save me. And he did. And then there was this freak tidal wave and like it took him away and he died. And you're like, OK, weird. Right. And then. During the course of the film, when they're fighting all the zombies, we didn't even talk about the amazing carnage uh, of the <laughs> film of the end of zombies with him uh, equaling Ash in his ability to kill hordes of the undead with a fucking lawnmower. That is insane. I think it's billed as the bloodiest horror film of all, right? That's that's what they claim. They claim that it used the most blood of any horror film ever made. I believe it. When you see this movie, it's it's like, wow. Wow. But there's all these things that, that happen. And as I said, these reversals that that are in the film that are almost a theme. And also, reversals are mixing. Birth and death are one and the same. 
along with transgressions. And it, it's a, so going to the what Lionel thought all this time, and possibly the way it's tied to the film, the way one of the things that his mother uses to control him and keep him under her thumb, she told him this lie which he has guilt over. His father saved him. That's not what happened. In the course of all this craziness, he discovers, thanks to the magic amulet, which points the way when he's trying to get away from that fucking... We didn't even talk about the crazy intestine <laughs> fucking puppet thing that keeps coming after him. Uh, that... That's... <laughs> yeah, we, we need to talk about that. That's that's a integral part of the movie. <laughs> Ah, I'm telling you. If you take nothing else away from this movie, (laughs) it's that someone's intestines come alive, check themselves out in a mirror. (laughs) Like, hey, I'm looking pretty good. And they go after the protagonist and try to kill him. Yeah, like a fucking on a mission. Oh, yeah. This movie has so many ridiculous, amazing elements. Like someone's fucking intestines that look like a uh, that look like they have a face. Check themselves out. He's, I forgot about that fucking part. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> Insane. Loved it. This Listen, I got to tell you, anyone who wants to see this movie, if you ever have the chance to watch this movie with a group of people, it's the way to go. This movie is perfect for that because... Everything gets ramped up from you watch it at home alone. Really fucking enjoyable. Totally fucking crazy. You watch it with a group, especially if you got a fucking drink in your hand. It brings that shit up. It goes to 11. It is fucking <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. But yeah, no. Th- th- so this movie is it's so crazy. It's so much to it. It's so, you know, on the surface, it's just this crazy low budget zombie movie. But it's so much more to this movie. It, 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 the transgressions, birth and death. Are one and the same. As I said before, you have two zombies. You see, you have two dead people who, to who fucking <laughs> have the grossest sex scene ever committed in cinematic history. <laughs> two zombies bump, literally bump uglies, and produce. And she has birth and gives birth to this this baby. So, uh, so the dead can procreate and give birth. That's complete transgression. That's totally putting things ahead. Water which is usually a symbol of birth, right? So he has this water imagery. There's a lot of water imagery. He's taunted by this water imagery. And it turns out that the secret is his mother found out that his father was hooking up with some blonde New Zealand hoochie mama, and she drowned them both in the tub. So this water, which is supposed to be this cleansing symbol of good and birth, is actually, turns out, is made into a symbol of death. So it's another drowning and lies so it was another transgression another reversal and then there's this other thing that i picked up on and you might think i'm crazy but i I almost think that in some ways when you see what the film the film deals with so there's the living mom mom child relationship that is completely fucked up and then she dies and then he has to deal with her as a zombie and the other zombies it's almost like a weird, bizarre commentary of the horrors of the life cycle. So you have the horrors of birth, right? They show you the horrors of birth for the living, the horrors of birth for the dead, the horrors of infancy with the zombie baby going to the the park. You have showing what it is to be a child with Lionel, what it is to be an infantilized adult as a child with Lionel. Then you have Lionel pretending to be a parent with the zombie baby. It's this weird, total the life cycle is shows the horrors of the life cycle. And then there's also this weird, bizarre rumination about, which also occurred to me is, you know, this movie also seems like a commentary on, on the, 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 how being elderly is like being dead alive. Yeah. Because at the point when he, when he's taking care of the zombies, it, I almost felt, I was like, if they weren't actually dead, I would feel like I was watching him being an attendant at an old age home. He's feeding them. He's giving them their medication. He's watching after them. They're sitting in a day room with TV. They happen to be tied down because they're zombies, but it's this weird uh, equating the elderly with the living dead. Yeah, that's a really good point. Holy shit. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. 
so it's so a the movie is uh, for me I was like it, this is very rich in it's it's visually stunning and gory and gross and uh, there's great stuff you know the zombie guy that gets his whole bottom half eaten so it's just like skeletal legs that move the puppets the puppetry everything all, all the every element that they use it's so it's it's fantastic but it's also the fact that and it could just be my reading of it but the fact that it lends itself to the this huge amount of interpretation from what is to the guy who walked into the, the office and saw it, like, my ball is fucking fucked up. You're going to give him Lord of the Rings? It's like, it's very, very rich, very full, very, with tongue in cheek, I say this, very pregnant with ideas and meaning <laughs> and symbolism. That's all valid. And I, you know what? The guy at New Line who came up with this, who said, Peter Jackson's our guy, he knew what he was doing. He did. He did. Oh, uh, one last thing I want to say about this. So they, all the things I said, but, you know, death and sex are constantly linked and entwined in this film. And one sequence really encapsulates all the themes and all the things that are going on in this particular film and what horror movies tend to usually be about. So you have the sequence of there's a cross-cutting between his mom, mum, Vera being sick in bed, like he's just dressed her wound to have all this wonderful uh, special effects of her throbbing inner, you know, rat monkey infected arm, right? And she's in bed, she's like, oh, she's moaning. And then Paquita's grandma is doing the tarot. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God, that's bad. Oh, and so these two old women are moaning in, in alternating between, alternating meaning moans of pain mixed, uh, or, or horror mixed with what you see is seen of, by the way, Paquita, once again, reversal roles, seducing Lionel after she climbed up to his room and brought him a rose and she winds up in bed with him. So they're rolling around in bed and they're cutting between his mom being sick and her grandmother reading the tarot cards and you know, she's gasping and moaning and screaming in pain and horror. And then just images of young kids getting it on. So it, they link death with with sex what does the French say for orgasm, the petite more, uh, the little death? It's most emphasized by this whole sequence happens and it, and it has this orgasmic, grossly, of course, grossly orgasmous crescendo culminating in a shot of the mother's pink bubblegum goo from her pus-filled arm spraying across the room onto a picture of Lionel's father's face, right? And that's how the scene ends. It's insane. Lionel... So Lionel is deprived of his sexy. He's so dominated by his mother that even within the film, the context, she gets her DNA into the actual film where she deprives him of a sex scene because she wants to repress his sexuality so much. And it's done by editing. So the editing is just the editing is just key to this film and key to in reinforcing the the themes that are subliminal or, or subvert or overt in the film. And she, once again, over, overshadows his needs. So Jackson has, has this scene which symbolically emasculating both Lionel and the father, because the mother is the one that, that to be gross, ejaculates this pussy goo on them <laughs> instead of him with Paquita. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. It's a disgusting point, it's but disgusting. good point. But again, horror movies usually are about sex, whether they're slasher films or gothic horror or whatever. When you when you really just to use the word the kids love to use these days, when you really unpack horror, at the heart of most of it, it's sex. Yeah, I think you're right. So I think this is a good point to wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about so this movie really quickly, IMDb. 7.5 out of 10 rating on IMDb. It is certified fresh with an 88% tomato meter and 87% audience score. Yeah, uh, it was an estimated $3 million budget, and it made a whopping $242,000 in the U.S. and about the same worldwide. So it didn't do too well. No. <laughs> but I think the few of us that did see it really enjoyed it. No, absolutely. And in summation, a lot of reviewers did enjoy it. Unfortunately, Rex Reed did not review this film. Oh, damn it. So we don't have anything to say about Rex Reed in this episode. Well, maybe we do. <laughs> <laughs> He's 
And I, I want to see this vintage kimono that I know he's wearing. <laughs> so this was a great movie. Highly recommend. I think for all the points we made, and even for some others that we didn't even touch upon, I think this is a great movie for people coming to this from completely outside, people coming into it from Lord of the Rings and thinking, what else has Peter Jackson done? This is a great movie to start with. I don't know, Pat, what do you got to say? Listen, if you are a fan of Sam Raimi, the Evil Dead, the reanimated films, if you like gross out comedy, if you like very, very heady ideas, very highbrow ideas told in a very lowbrow way, this is a movie for you. This is fucking insane. It's great. It must be experienced. There's so much in this movie that is absolutely bonkers, so inventive, so hilarious, so disgusting, so great all around. I, I, I do recommend it. There may be people that are more faint of heart and may not, but I would still say, no, nah, you should check it out. It is really funny, and it's really inventive and really cool. Yeah. Well, you hear the music. That's all the time that we have. Hey, want to join the conversation? Visit us at our website, thecinephiliaclounge.com. Also, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram, subscribe to us on YouTube, subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Also, if you like what we hear, please give us a rating. We, 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 want, we, want, we want ratings. But thanks for joining us. Next time, we discuss Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits for its 40th anniversary with one confirmed very special guest star, Gina, and possibly more. Make sure to listen. Yeah, thanks for listening. And if there's a particular film you want to hear about, reach out to us on the website or Instagram or YouTube. We'd love to hear from you.